for The Daily Review, a podcast dedicated to reviews and discussion of TV, movies, and books. Look for us at Daily Review on Facebook and Twitter and dailyreview.com on the web. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. This is Paul Daly here with my wife, Caroline. Hey, guys. And today we're here to talk about the season finale of the second season of NBC's This Is Us. This one is simply called The Wedding. Aw, finally. We finally got here after a long time of waiting. It's been a lifetime for Kate. Not quite as long for Toby. Just <laughs> right, just wife a year, number two. Yearish. Let's start with what amounts to a dream sequence. Yeah. Did you expect the way that this began with you know the music playing and we're like obviously at a wedding? Did you think we were delving right into Kate's? Well, it did have a little surreal filter on it. Did uh, a little Vaseline on the lens action. And I can't imagine that there's a whole lot like the Venn diagram of people that watch this. And The Walking Dead can't be like huge, but this whole last season, The Walking Dead is, they've been teasing this dream sequence that it, that is in Carl's head right. from the beginning of the season. And it's in, it's all foggy, kind of like this. haziness, yeah. Right. And previous exposure to that trick so recently. And the, you know, unfortunately, since we pay close attention to This Is Us news, we saw all the pictures of Jack and all that. So at least I, I didn't want to think it was something like Rebecca was going to stroke out or something oh, no. at, the, at the wedding. No. Once I saw Kate sitting in the in the audience, though, then I knew dream sequence. Yeah. And I know that some people had talked about the idea of like, is this going to be a situation where we're going to start seeing like what could have been sequences, mm. meaning like. You know, they they absolutely labeled this as a dream. These were 100% just a dream, as opposed to having these like forks in the roads sort of of uh, sequences that they showed us that like what would happen if Jack hadn't passed away. Mm -hmm. And like this was not that. How do you feel about that? That this was not like a lost moment where it's like, oh, let's show you an alternate this could have happened, but this was like, no, this was labeled as like, this was simply a dream she was having. Perfectly valid. This show doesn't have any supernatural bent to it. So I'm glad that they didn't go that direction, you know, to keep it nice and grounded. Because, I mean, when the, the us and this is us, I think includes the, the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you and know. I think it's supernatural too. Um, I said supernatural, but it's very, very natural. I should say it like that. Um, that, you know, you would have these sort of crazy dreams right before you're a big event, anything, you know, of like different scenarios, things happening. How did you feel when you actually saw Jack and his old makeup? <laughs> he looked still pretty sharp, you know, it's, uh, yeah, he was, he was pulling it off. <laughs> I was trying to figure what the math would be because he married her late. Like, so was he 70? Oh, yeah. I think he was probably older than 70, actually. Yeah. I think he was older than 70. Wow. Yeah. Because 40th anniversary. Because he, he was in like his 30s when they got together. So 40 years later. Yeah. Way into his 70s. Crazy, huh? He looked good. He looked good. What did you think about their actual vowel renewal? I know you and I have talked about this like a thousand times. I always act like I want to do a vowel renewal, which I do. But then at the same time, I have no idea what in the world that would look like. I'm like, I don't have 
the idea of wanting to like throw another wedding. We had a, an amazing wedding. People always will say, of all the weddings I've been to, I remember y'all so much. I had such a good time. It's true. We still hang on to that almost, <laughs> almost 20 years later. All of our friends and family, they will constantly bring it up, which is funny because I've never said that to anyone else. And I've been like, you're my top wedding that I've ever been to. It's so really it's spoiled funny. us to to other people's weddings because <laughs> we'll be like, well, this... ours was more fun. Okay. Your food's better, <laughs> but your DJ bites. In fact, I don't think we've ever come across a DJ that matches our DJ. Yeah, he was great. He was great. I, it's funny too, because you know, the thing that I feel like what, what made our personal wedding so great was that we were really authentically happy. Our families were authentically happy. You and I were sincerely happy. Everything about it was was what you'd write in, in the storybooks as like the way to start things out. Yeah. <laughs> right? Isn't it ironic? You know what I mean? Yeah. But like I said, there's no hangups, you know, unlike yeah. in this story, you know, we have some hangups and some worries and some concerns. Neither of us were coming in with baggage and and all these concerns and worries or and neither sets of our parents were concerned or worried or anything like that. So I think that the the authentic happiness of you and I and our families was was palpable at the event. And that just made, I think, everybody feel like, whoa, let's kick off. And we did, y'all. We did. We had two receptions like we had a we had a, we had our wedding. We had a reception. And then there was an after reception where like all of our guests were bussed over to another location to continue a second party even after that. And um, sincerely, I jumped up and down and danced so much that my calves hurt so freaking much the next day. It was not even funny. It was it was a train wreck in that department. <laughs> but we had such a wonderful time. So let's talk a little bit about what made Jack and Rebecca's vowel renewal so special. This is Kate's dream, right? So her, her parents both had an opportunity to do with, and I guess in Kate's mind, they do best. So Jack got to talk, <laughs> right? Yeah. And he gave one of his perfect Jack talks, you know, where you don't feel lectured at. You just feel like you've been given a little gift, <laughs> you know, and yeah. a new way to look at things. And it was you know? so special that I thought that we got a chance to, again, you know, learn a little bit more about their relationship. You know, the fact that she wrote a little note every day to him for those mm -hmm. 22 years that he worked at Lundy Construction. And and then, you know, that we, we got to know that they did officially open Big Three Homes and, you know, that it had been successful and that he loved working there with her. And, you know, the, the entire history of the family was revealed in like, three or four sentences, you know, between the two of them, that they remained a happy marriage, that they worked together happily, you know, all these things and that he enjoyed it so much. It was heartbreaking, but at the same time, it was satisfying to know that it went well. And then Rebecca sang. Yeah. And Moonshadow is the song that she was singing the the first night when he was going to go in and rob the bar. Yeah. Um, And instead, she was up on stage. And if you remember, she had that little crescent moon necklace that he gave her. Mm. Um, And so Moonshadow is their song. And, you know, him getting a little tear and, and everything. I think that that kind of stuff is so special. We had a little musical special thing at our own wedding. Oh, we did. This is the most awesome thing ever. We had a Catholic ceremony, which if you don't know, is a fairly buttoned up affair. Um, there is very little variation that you can create in the ceremony because it has to follow the, the exact guidelines of how it's been done since Christ, basically, right? You get to pick a little bit of the music and you get to pick your readings, but that's it. The rest of the hour and a half is all set. At the very end of it, after we're married, the organist starts playing our recessional and it is 
the uh, award ceremony song at the end of Star Wars, which completely catches me by surprise. <laughs> I had no idea that she had talked the organist into learning how to play this song. Which was a big deal because we had like three song choices that was acceptable. And somehow I I don't even remember how we convinced her to do it, but... I convinced her to do it. And so it was wonderful because, you know, we kissed and then we turned around. They introduced us as husband and wife. And then she starts playing it. And his face, when he realized what they were playing, he like looked at me. He was like, oh, my God. And like all my groomsmen like fell on their knees like, oh, my God. It was amazing. I think our entire church like cracked up, like laughing and smiling because even if they didn't recognize what the song was, they recognized how shocked Paul was. And that, you know, again, that authentic feeling of like, she's going to keep surprising him. And like, this is going to be a good relationship. So well, and then the groom's cake was basically a chocolate forged Star Wars diorama on three tiers. It was It was awesome. hand carved. Yes. Yeah, so this I had this lady of carved them. With like Star Wars characters, Star Wars emblems, Star Wars different things all stacked. I, I only got to enjoy it for like a second because <laughs> we were so busy, but it was, you know, combined with the song, just the most awesome thing. And uh, again, Paul, I had graduated from college in May and he was still finishing out in July and we actually got married in July. So he didn't really get to be a part of those, those wedding planning things because he was really scurrying to finish up his his degree. And so I made like all those picks without telling him it was. And I, for whatever reason, I wasn't like, oh, I have a secret for you. It wasn't anything like that. It just like when it happened, it happened. You know, it was such a shock that I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I love surprises like that. It's amazing. I loved that, you know, in addition to Jack and Rebecca, we got to see Kate dancing with Jack, you know, and, and they really zoomed in on like her hand on his back and, and that kind of thing. And I know for my own self, um, my dad actually picked the song that we danced to. Um, it was when you wish upon a star and, um, you know, it was very sweet and, and very nice. And I gave him a framed picture of us dancing together. So I know how important, you know, it was. And I can even remember right when we were going to walk down the aisle, my dad started to go and I and I held him back and was like, wait, because there was like another couple beats before we were really supposed to go down the aisle. And I was just so calm, like I was, you know, ready to do this. And he kind of looked at me like, whoa, you're like more more calm than I am. You know, I was like, hold on a second. It's not our not our turn yet. Yeah, I thought it was wonderful to get a chance to see what a 40th vowel renewal would look like for them. I love that they chose the cabin setting for Jack and Rebecca that felt so right. And I loved, loved that that is where Kate and Toby decided to get married. I couldn't imagine where else they would choose. You know, when when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's like no other place I would have been okay with. Well, and it's a great way from a production standpoint to get mileage out of the same set twice. Absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah. And not have to come up with some contrived place that was meaningful. You know, they didn't try to be like, oh, this is where Toby and Kate had something you know that we maybe never saw before i mean mm -hmm. the only other place that would have worked was like that nursing home where she, where he had her sing you know yeah, like yeah that'd be weird it would be very weird but i'm just saying we didn't get it we didn't get a chance to see them a lot dating in like a variety of locations 
You know what I mean? Like it wouldn't be like, oh, that's where their anniversary dinner was held or whatever. Like they, there was no place that stuck out that was so special. So I, I loved it that they used the cabin. Speaking of brides surprising grooms, what do you think about the bow tie? If you don't recall, she found what she said was Leslie Nielsen's bow tie from the third Naked Gun movie and had presented it to him to wear during the ceremony. You know, it helps me like Toby quite a bit more knowing that he... I, you know, he, he likes to wear the, the outlandish clothes, the loud clothing and all that kind of stuff like that. But this particular thing, I'm also kind of a movie history guy. Oh so, my, I, you know how you much know? I kick myself that I didn't like look for a bow tie that was from a movie for you? Because I think you would have loved that. And I bet you that that, that tradition, that little moment that she had happens in a variety of people's houses now, because I think it will become like a thing. Like, how cool is that? How special is that? You know, I did get the heebie-jeebs at first when he opened it because I kind of thought it was going to be Jack's bow tie somehow. I don't know why Jack is not the type of man that would have kept his own tux. So it doesn't make sense. But it, I, I really I got a heebie-jeebie. I was like, please don't dress him up like your dad. Please don't dress him up like your dad. Like, that's like really weird. So I was very relieved that it was something that was so meaningful. And it actually made sense because she was a PR rep person for Kevin it would make sense that she would have had some connections probably, you know, to casting or Could be. costume wardrobe, yeah. something that she probably... It takes that to yeah. get that kind of thing. Yeah. that Or, you know, it could have been something so simple as eBay or something, but it was very cool and believable with their background that they would have really liked that. Well, and then it ties in with... Um, it doesn't tie in directly. It, 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 it helps with the movie background of Toby that he, he says, don't run away, bride me. Yes. Because... Uh, you know, that was the movie with Julia Roberts, right? And Dylan McDermott? No, Dermot Mulroney, right? They're kind of the same person. And she basically chases off the bride, right? Who's Cameron Diaz as a much, like, very... No, un- no, no. You're thinking of two different movies. You're thinking of My Best Friend's Wedding. Oh, I am. Which that's one's Runaway Bride? One. Is that Richard Gere? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That she was, uh, yeah. And that's the one where, like, she, Runaway Bride's, like, multiple times. Okay. Like, so she like hops on the horse at one point and like rides away. That one's not as good as my best friend's wedding. <laughs> best, friend's wedding. <laughs> best friend's wedding is a good one. Yeah. See that one, you guys. Um, yeah. No, I, I. it makes such perfect sense for the, again, their personalities, everything about it. And the fact that he cares about his wardrobe, like you pointed out, he would care that he was wearing something that was so cool, you know? Mm-hmm. So love the whole thing. Now, Here's the strange thing that I didn't really love about this this episode because I just felt like it did not ring true. She brings up the Daytona t-shirt right then with him that she's going to have his Daytona t-shirt as um something old. He listens to that Toby and, he's and like ding whatever. Yeah, and is like, "Oh yeah," and they have that little funny, you know, tete-a-tete about the um, you know, "Oh, if my boo has baggage, I want to pay the handling fee." All that stuff back and forth and stuff. I I'm positive that is the point that he would have remembered that he did not pack the Daytona t-shirt. Right. There's no way in hell that they would have had that back and forth conversation about the Daytona t-shirt and him not realize he forgot it. So that part I felt like rang really false. They should have just cut that part out. There was, they could have not talked about the Daytona t-shirt right then and it would have been totally fine and made sense later. Not that this episode was, like I'm going to characterize it as bad or not written well or anything like that because it has a lot of great character moments, especially with Kevin, I think. But there were quite a few expositional 
dumps where someone just needed to say something uh-huh. and it just blurts out in a in an uncharacteristically inelegant fashion for this show. Yeah, I the 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 adjectives that I was thinking in my head was like it was like heavy-handed. Whenever they had something that was supposed to be foreshadowing or something, it was like highlighted, bold, italicized, you know, blinking lights behind them when something was happening that, you know, really we would have picked up on had you not done that. You know, we mm-hmm. didn't need them to say that. One of the parts that we'll discuss later, but like when Kevin's in the car dripping the ice cream and they have to go through that, you know, I know, Randall, it's an important car. You paid cash for it. Blinking lights, bold face, <laughs> right. italics. In you case know, you forgot. This is an important car to Randall. Like, in case I mean, for some reason you're watching the finale, the second yeah, season without I mean, seeing the premiere of the first season. It was a pilot. <laughs> in the pilot episode, they explain all that. And he repeats it several times in the last yeah. two seasons. It was just, it was super unnecessary. I thought. And, um, you know, the, there there were some moments like that that made me feel like, I don't know, it was almost like that this finale was written a while ago. And it like in a way that was like, oh, we don't know if those breadcrumbs are going to exist throughout. So we better make sure that they're in here. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's possible. I mean, they, it's possible that they knew that Kate and Toby would be getting married at the end of season two. And someone sat and wrote that episode a, a while back, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I felt sort of like I don't it, it it rang of that of like the that the journey hadn't already happened. And then the writers wrote it. It's like they wrote it a while back. Well, it's not uncommon for like milestone, important moments well, to be written. Right, right. To come up with the the end point or the midpoint and then have to fill in along the way. Right. You know? And not knowing what might have been edited at certain points in time, you know, not knowing if we hit enough that that was Randall's favorite car or not knowing if we hit enough about the Daytona t-shirt or whatever, not knowing or, rem- or you know, not knowing what was going to hit the editing floor. It's funny though. I mean, you the kind car- of plunk it in. For as touchy feely as Randall is, the car is like I would say, you know, five percent of his personality. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's they've it's there. definitely made it out that way, which I agree with you that part of it, you know, that's not his personality when you kind of think about like, does he value things over people? You would right, say, right. No, I don't think he does. But you know, whenever he whenever Deja was leaving the first time there and you know, he says basically fancy car. Yeah, he makes out to be success to be things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's very, I felt not like him, even when they said it then. But then I guess I have to, if they're telling me, no, that is him, then I guess I have to believe them. Well, as revealed, the Daytona t-shirt was not something that was packed. And now we have this mad dash scramble where the guys, Randall and Kevin have to try to come up with some other option for an old item for Jack. Yeah, they're all thinking about it at the same time overnight. And uh, the guys come up with a motley collection of <laughs> ancient crap. And, and they were really like, um, like, how do I want to say like gross items that like, you know what I mean? Like when I say gross, I mean like rusty, well, and it, like not taken care of, not even like, you know, like yeah. it was just stuff shoved in the back of a cabinet. It, it was like, if you, I don't know, you've probably never had to do this, but if you're at your grandparents' house and your grandpa says, go get me a screwdriver and you go out there and it's like this rusty old thing with a wooden handle that's kind of split and it's like, 
he can't mean this. He must mean the Stanley, you know, plastic <laughs> blue and clear handle thing. Where's that? That's what I'm looking for. And he, and then, no, it's actually that wooden one like she brings out later. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I appreciated that she tried to figure this out for herself and decide that maybe, in fact, she could go get some of the ice cream that her and Jack used to share on their, you know, trips to the cabin and have their nice talks and that she would serve it with cake. I thought that was like a really smart and uh, sentimental way to handle this, you know? It would have been, it would have been. (laughs) (laughs) Instead, her cabin town has gentrified or something and and they've, they've pushed out the mom and pops and they brought in artisanal scoops or whatever they called themselves. Yeah. And it was super, again, heavy handed when they back off the store and it actually says vegan plus ice cream. And like, like, I mean, they went over the top. It wasn't just that it was like specialty flavors or like gourmet ice cream. It was like no dairy, no, 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 no. Like it was like, oh, wow, this is not really ice cream at all. You know, not in the sense of what you would think as traditional ice cream. No. So I, I felt so bad for her when she was like, is there any chance you still have the banana pudding? I would have been so like coercing that man to come up with like, did they possibly leave the recipe? Could you possibly make it? He was not about to do anything. I mean, he, he came up he, when he offered the chocolate banana or whatever it was that it was his, uh, his alternative s- substitute was, I mean, it was like, dude. You're clearly not reading the room here. <laughs> no, she, no, he wasn't. He really didn't get what it was about. Did you recognize that guy was actually from American Idol? No, but I wouldn't. Unless it was Kelly Clarkson, I wouldn't. Or what was that other dude's name? Justin Quarini? Right, right, You'd right. you recognize his hair? Right. I'm, I'm, I might. Kind of that sideshow Bob hair, right? So the fact that, you know, she had taken off and then wasn't returning phone calls. What do you think about that? Was there really a reason that she needed to be so secretive, like with Rebecca and anybody? Like, was there really any reason not to answer the phone calls from Kevin and Randall? Like, I understand that it would have created zero tension had they had her simply pick up the phone. But I really honestly feel like they should have come up with a better reason. Like you and I have been in rural areas where the cell service is really crappy and you can't get, you know, any, you can't get calls to go through. The idea that she had her phone turned off on the day of her wedding and she didn't bother to share with anybody, like that just seemed. That's very trusting. (laughs) But beyond, no, it's mean. You're the bride. Like, why wouldn't you tell people where you were going or what you were doing? Do you know what I mean? You don't have to announce it to everybody, but why wouldn't you at least tell Kevin? Or why wouldn't, you know, like, it seemed kind of like a jerk move, actually. And like, sort of like an over-the-top, look at me, why don't you all sit around and worry about me? Instead of just simply saying, I'm going to go to the ice cream shop and see if I can't get that banana pudding ice cream from dad. And if that doesn't happen, I'm not sure where I'm going to go. But you know, I know the cell service sucks. So, you know, I'll check back in, you know, something. And I know it would have ruined all the tension. I recognize that. But I don't like that they made it out like she just was so, I don't know, like remiss about everyone else's feelings well, was, or anything. She was in her own head deeply. That's fact. And um, without that fake tension, then the little rabbit hole that the producers created when Rebecca, when when she and Rebecca talk, and Rebecca points out that 
Toby's not in the dream sequence. She doesn't mean to. She just she just says, yeah. what's Toby doing? What's Toby think? Or whatever. And yeah, she's like, and she oh, was Toby's trying to be there. fun. Like she was like, oh, I'm sure Toby was making you laugh. When that happens... Then and she and the next thing we see is she she just hangs up and keeps driving. Then I think we're supposed to think, oh, she is runaway brighting, you know. I know. I just because she's I been kind of acting a little flaky up until that point. I guess I just didn't need it, you know. I didn't need that kind of. They could have had the same tension just by saying that the cell service was crappy, and then it was like an outside reason for why they couldn't be in touch. But when it's that she just doesn't choose to pick up the phone or that she chooses to turn her phone off. I mean, how many people choose to turn their phone off? Jackasses, mostly. I mean, it's pretty rare, right? When you're supposed to be meeting up with a group of friends, you have your phone off? Like, I mean, that's just not even like a thing for me. So I don't know. It just it was far fetched on in that department. And I didn't like it because you're right. It did create this. Is she going to run away thing? And I, I didn't think it. She was having so much emotions about Jack and we could be with her on that, that they it didn't need to also be this idea that she was going to abandon Toby. We didn't need that extra layer for myself. Did you need that to create the excitement of the wedding day? Nope. Nope. Because there was already a lot going on. Um, that, that particular part, because I sussed out the storylines by character. And so... This felt like a way to get some minutes where they where they didn't have enough minutes. You know what I mean? Interesting. Okay. So how did you feel about them ultimately having her head to the tree that she had that talk with Jack under when she was a, a girl and she had, had told him, if you remember, when she had run off when they were playing football in a previous episode. Mm -hmm. And then she tells him, you know, that the kids had called her fat and as she was feeling bad about herself. And that's when, you know, Jack consoles her and makes her feel better. I liked their little analogy about the idea of riding on the, the wooden roller coaster and having that feeling of like absolutely being terrified, but also feeling like the safest you've ever felt. I completely get that so much. I've had that feeling next to you. I've had that feeling next to my own dad. I've even had that feeling as like a mom with a kid, you know, where do you know when like you had like maybe a, maybe the kids were little and they're like kind of cozied up next to you and even you're kind of scared on something or, or in a situation. But like at the same time, you like feel safe because somehow you're like being the protector or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. When I used to be able to ride rides, um, <laughs> oh, oh. that would um, that would come up. Paul's hit a bad patch, as as have we all. I swear to God, Paul, it's just a normal. I don't know if it's an aging. I don't know what it is, but it's like adult bodies are like not meant to be on those rides anymore. I swear, it makes me like sick and like weebly. We went to Six Flags just like a week ago, and I swear for like a whole week after, I've been feeling like my bones were rattled. <laughs> like seriously, I don't know if it's not meant for fully formed brains to do <laughs> it's too much it's too much well so did you think that she did it make sense this concept of letting go a little bit of jack and leaving room for toby and the actual oh, physical yeah. act of what she had to do with the urn i i got it it was good symbolic straightforward kind of stuff yeah it's just, it, i mean it, she needed the physical act she needed to do it in, in order to kind of rationalize to her own self fitting toby into her life means a little less dad because i think i've I've mentioned this this my own personal outlook on empathy toward people it's like you can't have it for everybody right okay so she's holding on to a lot for jack still and she's realizing husbands need to take up more room than boyfriends i guess right so so she's got to let a little of that go just because she's only one person she can't 
you know, expand her allotment of love, I guess. So she's got to do that. And that makes sense to me. How would this played out if Jack was still alive? I mean, she has all this overwhelming love for him and they have such a close connection. I wondered a little bit about how that would look in terms of letting go of dad. You know, if it would come off the same or there would have been that sort of natural breaking away for her. Yeah, there's that. There's a pretty good chance it would have she, her relationship with her parents would have had the same kind of natural regression that all adult children experience with their parents to some degree or another, you know, ranging between no contact to living in their house. So I think it would. there's a fair chance it could have just been a very natural, like they come over for dinner once a week kind of thing. And that would have been enough. But do you think that Jack would have trumped Toby always? And do you think that like, that's what I'm saying. Like if he was alive, would it have been a situation where, you know, as yeah. since he's passed away, he's like elevated to sainthood, you know? Well, and but if they were both alive, would, would Toby have been able to go even with Jack or would Jack have always trumped Toby? Toby stood a chance because of how forward he was with Kevin about the same issue, basically. You know, he Kevin was mm -hmm. doing the dad thing, even though it was a twin thing. Toby called him out on it first episode of this season and and things got better after that. You know, the the thing about Toby having already been married and he's a grown ass man as opposed to like a 20 year old guy or something like that is he was sure about all the stuff that he was doing. You know, he was very confident about it. He just went and did it, you know? Yeah. And so. And I think Jack would have been very gracious and probably even would have been very self-aware. Like if he saw, oh, for you know, sure. Kate, like pushing Toby to the side to let Jack have a seat next to her or something like that, he would have been like, no, Kate, Toby should sit next to you. Like, I feel like he would have actually like pushed the path a little bit even bigger for Toby to for join. Sure. Jack saw all that stuff in relationships a lot better than human men. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So since we're talking about character to character um, and we, we will get to the, to the actual wedding part, that was sort of Kate's big section. We're going to go to Kevin's big section next and talk about what was he doing this day? What was their, what were their roles? Kevin, in a complete turnaround from where he was kind of mid-season, he has taken on the role of primary wedding planner, organizer, drill sergeant, everything. And he is up people's butts like crazy to I keep loved things it. on track, doing people people doing what they're supposed to be doing, even to the point of of snapping at Toby, like not like Verbally, but like physically, like move along, move along. You know? I totally loved it when he was like completely yelling at Randall um, on the phone, but like you didn't know it was Randall. He was like, get it together. What are you doing? Okay, see you later, Randall. Like it was like, oh my God, that was Randall he was talking to. It, remind, it reminded me of that Golden Girls when they're going to hire the roofer. And he's like, I told you that payment was due yesterday. He's like screaming on the phone. And he's like, okay, dad, I'll see you later. Yeah. It's like very similar to that moment. Well, and then later we see Randall, get your head out of your ass, Pearson. And he's like... <laughs> It's so funny. Oh my gosh. Totally loved it. Totally loved it. Um, his It fit his personality so well. It seemed like it would be so reasonable and sensible that he would have this ability to know what a grand event would look like, you know, with all of his Hollywood experience. Yeah. He would know, you know, what makes something look, you know, stylish and complete. And so I felt like, yeah, this made sense. It's not like they just like forced him into the wedding planner role. I thought he he would do that you know he would probably want to do that well you know he's been searching for something to be doing and and to throw himself into 
during his recovery, you know, and this was a very good thing because it was for somebody else. Absolutely. Yeah. And his most fave, Kate, right? Right. That whole portion when the bridesmaids are are trying to do their thing and get ready and Madison is like, I'm the maid of honor. I should out blah, blah, blah. And he's like, she's crazy. Don't let me sleep with her. It was totally, I mean, for someone like myself who, who really enjoys looking into who the actors are, what they've done and all that, I haven't done that on this show. So when Dan Fogelman drops, she's my wife. She's never going to sleep with Justin Hartley. <laughs> uh, I was like, Oh, I should have known that. But yeah. it's very interesting, you know, tidbit from the meta level of the show. Absolutely. And that we all should have known that like, there's no way that Madison and that we should know that Madison's going to stick around because right. that makes good sense. Right. She's it's got a permanent wife. seat at the table. She does have a permanent <laughs> seat at the table. And, and I think she brings that little added, you know, extra, I don't know, energy to to Kate's life that, you know, is a little bit crazy and a little bit, I don't know, it's needed because everybody else is sort of bogged, you know, in their stuff often. And she's sort of always this sort of like firefly, like dancing all around. So do you think Kevin was right or hard on himself about worst case scenario in Randall's car while they were searching? Huh. I think that he was probably right in, in a lot of ways that it seemed like his assessment of Kate coming out and and being with him, you know, allowing her to lose herself in order to take care of him. He could see it happening, but he didn't really, you know, stop it from happening. I, you know, I think he's probably there's some truth to that, you know. Is he responsible for that? No, but I think there's some truth there that he was he was being very real. It's interesting how to me that he is improving as a person. Like his oh, his yeah. value to his fellow man is increasing. But he has still got strong self-centered streak in there. So like all these little things in there, like the toast or the or the worst case scenario, they they at least start relating to him like like the one the worst case scenario about they would grow old together and people would think that they're a couple and they would stop correcting like that's that's a worst case scenario for him. You know what I mean? As well, right. It's <laughs> right. both of them, but as well, he's definitely involved. Let's talk about that toast a little bit because I'm with you that, I mean, it was, he himself characterized it as weird. Um, I enjoyed portions of it and other parts I thought. Well, if you it, were seeing it, this in person, you'd be like. It would. I would think this I is was, a family moment. I would. Know? No, no, no. I would think I was witnessing an absolute meltdown of somebody when he started talking about his DUI and rehab. No way. At that point in time is when I would have been like, oh, like, get him off the mic. Turn the mic off. Like he is going down a crazy place. It ended up in a wonderful place. I hesitate to use the word self-centered because I think that that has too much of a negative connotation well, to it. Let me let me and, let me back up. Yes, because I know our friend Ellen will definitely definitely jump on that. And I really want I, you to clarify what you mean. What I mean is I understand that actually, because I am still a person that relates to the rest of the universe through my own eyes and have a really hard time pulling in other perspectives. You know what I mean? I don't know. That that seems like something you should you shoot for as trying to be a better person is to kind of appreciate what's going on in other people's lives. Right. So I get it. It's, I, I understand that, that he is improving and he is just not like this fully actualized human being like like a Gandhi level human just yet. He's getting there. I mean, he showed a lot of improvement this last few episodes and this episode in particular. He's like a totally different person. My explanation probably doesn't sound exactly like I mean it to. I'm just trying to say that I understand it. I'm not holding it against him. I don't think he's a bad person. It's just it's funny that 
everything, usually these things always start with something about himself. The whole toast felt like it probably should have been done in private. Like if he had gathered them up to the side and said, before, you know, we go out and make our toast, I have a private toast for just us. And he said these same words to just the family. There's some parts of that that felt would have felt more appropriate in so many ways. Like I felt like the the idea of saying I haven't grieved my father's death at your sister's wedding toast in front of all these people doesn't seem like the right even just conversation to be having. Do you know what I mean? So it was for me, I appreciated so much his honesty and his candor. I just felt like it was a little odd to do it the way that that he did it. And he admitted that it was a weird speech. And so, I mean, it was all very above board that this was a strange speech. He does things big, you know, like when he when he has birthday dinner for Kate, he rents out the whole place. He does things on a big stage. And these are words that he needed to say out loud. And I guess for his own, maybe he wasn't thinking about the position he was putting his other family, his family members in. Maybe he was, because it seemed like telling Kate that she made a difference in the way that he thinks about dad now was important enough to share with everybody. Okay. So then I, I guess I can, I didn't, I didn't feel like I heard it that way, but when you say it that way, I can, I can turn the camera and hear it that way. I didn't hear it as him complimenting Kate in helping him get through this tough time. I didn't hear it that way. I can hear it that way when you say it now, but I heard it more like Kate said this thing to me and then I had this, then, then back to him, I had this whole journey and then this is what happened. And I and I appreciate what you're saying that it was actually more of like a let me tell you something about my sister, Kate, and how she helped me through a rough time. And that's how this is applicable to her wedding toast. Mm-hmm. Do you know, because I, when I first heard it or even the second time I heard it, I sort of, I just felt like it just talked a lot about his personal journey and not as much as like how Kate even played into it, but I can hear it better now. So, so I do, I will take that away that, that he was trying to compliment Kate and, and say something more about her. These are all important words. Input. This is the, this is what we wanted when he was at rehab that he, that he just danced around. And it actually had that, a little of that standing up and being like, my name is Kevin and I'm an alcoholic kind of moment where there was that sort of like confessional kind of, uh, growth and thanks and gratitude and all that stuff that you would have had maybe in a meeting or something, you know, mm-hmm. I have to imagine that 90% of the audience held their breath and <laughs> exhaled with the Pearsons. Did you find yourself doing that? I'm not usually one of those guys when the, when the speaker says, okay, everybody close your eyes. I'm that jackass is like looking at everybody else because I don't play along normally with that Yeah, stuff. he's not even playing along right now in this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I definitely did it. It's not something that you do uh, consciously. It was that when he was talking about holding your breath and then exhaling and he was like, doing it almost like a meditative mentor where he was like, now hold your breath. Okay, now everyone exhale. Like it's just unconsciously you do it. It's not like, I agree with you. I'm 50-50 on when a speaker was like, everyone close your eyes. But that wasn't what he was doing. He wasn't, he didn't tell them to close their eyes or hold their breath. 
he didn't tell me to close my eyes or hold my breath. It's just, it just sort of like, I just did it, you know, along with him, which I felt like I got to guess like 90% of the audience just. I'm sure you're right unconsciously, you know, did it along with him. And I thought it was, I'm hopeful that that meant that they were actually letting some of it go. I don't know if it's true after such a lengthy season with actually seeing Jack pass away. There was a lot that we were all holding in our chest and a lot of angst and stuff. I don't know if we've let it go to be able to move into season three, because I know for a fact that there's going to be a lot more focus on Rebecca and Miguel. And so in order to do that, you better exhale some of your jack <laughs> right. and leave some room well, for Ma- some of these Miguel other members. Was, Miguel was in the the background of Rebecca's shot. when, when And he smiled at her. Yeah. He did. I did not watch him exhale. I didn't see him do that. No. But I did see him smile at her and you know um appreciate the moment so that was wonderful you know even if i thought the toast was a was a little wacky um the person who really loved it was zoe beth's cousin zoe who will meet in the randall and beth section yes i'm excited for her she seems like a cool character she does seem like you know uh, an artsy kind of person that has got her head on straight and is loyal to her family and does all the kinds of stuff we we would want for people that that hang out with the Pearsons. I like that she seemed to have some self awareness and like self discovery journey of her own, and like she was more on the other side of the journey, and so it felt a lot like that she would be somebody who could come into the Pearson clan who is still very much mid to three quarters way through a lot of their journey stuff. That um, she could sort of provide like a light at the end of the tunnel. In a lot of ways of like, look, you can go through something bad and come out the other side and be, you know, a functioning adult. So far as we can see about Zoe, I don't we don't really know what she does for a living full time. We don't know why she's available to come do wedding photography that she doesn't even like to do. You know, it was a little a little vague on that part. But she seems like she's going to be a a good, like upstanding person to add to the mix. Although, as we've learned with Toby, you know, even when somebody comes in who seems like they're going to be this stable force, maybe not to prop up the Pearsons, maybe not so much. So we'll see. Maybe Zoe's going to be a little, a little given, a little take there, huh? So Randall's section catches up with that group just after he gets off the phone with Kevin and, and he gets yelled at and he has to quickly rearrange the number of wine bottles per loot bag. In the Katobi bags? Yes. Katobi. And this then. Gives us our entree into the shit fest that was the Deja interaction this oh, this episode. Man. I really am struggling about Deja. Um, we live tweeted and then we tweeted a lot after this with a lot of different fans. And I had a really hard time with the setup on this one because they did so much work with us as, as the audience for us to really buy into Deja and really understand her and be empathetic with her and understand what she was struggling with. It was hard because a lot of us didn't feel like we wanted more Deja time. We were like, I'm kind of okay with Deja, like kind of falling out of the picture, like pre Deja episode, we felt like, okay, I feel like I always want that to wrap up. And so then when we had an entire episode about her, it was like, okay, but like, I really understand her now. And I feel pretty satisfied with knowing enough about Deja. I'm good at this point. So then to have her come in and have her dominate Randall and Beth's story, like we didn't get to really feel Randall's sister getting married or 
Randall and Beth reliving their wedding dreams and history. I mean, they could have been having flashbacks to their own wedding, which or, would have been or, so fun and interesting for us to experience. Or Randall's daughters. We had no or idea what they did. flash forward to one of their weddings. Anything would have been interesting. But instead, like I said, they were just dominated by the Deja story that I felt like I was like, I don't know this. I know that what Deja does at the end of the episode has to create some sort of catapult down a different road with Randall. But I just really felt like it was weighing my heart down during an episode that I really, I was already struggling that Jack wasn't going to be there and that Kate was struggling with this. And this was supposed to be a happy occasion. Toby had stuff going on. I didn't need a third thing to make me feel sad on the wedding day. The part where they discuss the parental rights. I was trying to figure out, Beth believes that Deja's attitude shift came after her mother terminated parental rights, which she just says in a very unnatural way in the hallway. No, she's in the in the kitchen. Okay, in the kitchen. I was trying to think about it. Normally people have bachelor, bachelorette parties within a pretty close proximity to the wedding. So... At max, this is like a week. I don't know. I don't know about the timing. It would be a huge guess because I don't... What she said was that the mom had told the judge that she wanted to terminate parental rights. And at this point in time, they were waiting for those rights to actually be terminated in order to start proceeding down the adoption route for Deja. So nothing's actually happened, but the mom was they they probably I don't know how or why they would have gone to court exactly to tell the judge it's it seems somewhat unnatural like I don't really know why um maybe because she's in the foster care system I don't know like because I'm not sure why she Shauna couldn't have just left like it was it was kind of unusual for Shauna to go through through this very legal process of actually terminating her rights it made more sense if she just ghosted the situation perhaps Linda got involved I would think she would have had to have a trip to court was required right well in order for her to not be placed somewhere else yeah or something like that i mean that makes sense i mean i don't know this is like i said i just i struggled with this story so much because i just there's enough pearson sadness and enough like stress that it just sort of feels like it's over the top and i felt like deja had her ebb and flow with them. She had the really crappy experience with them. Yeah. She had the coming around. And even again, heavy handedly, they pointed that out. Randall said, Oh, I, I wish that, you know, she was back the way she was. No, when she was back the way she was, she was mean and she was not nice. I wish we had the Dacia that was over that 2. part. 0. And then she was nicer and she laughed at my jokes and blah, blah, Like they even walked us through her journey again, even though we watched it. Here we have to go down the same cycle again with her of her being upset again. Now, would it be super Pollyanna to say that the girl was completely fixed and it was all over and there was no sadness over her mom? Of course, that would be a very like Pollyanna version of it. I just didn't need it during the wedding. Like, couldn't it be like episode two or three of next season that she flips out? Like, did it have to be now? Right. I mean, obviously, like I said, her bashing the car has to be uh, some sort of fork in the road for Randall. It has to be catapulting us down some other path because there's going to 
I mean, his anger about that is going to be enormous, you know? In the moment, for sure. How he deals with that and how he moves on from that is got to be a big chunk of this. The strange thing is what you were talking about is the idea that, you know, when we came back after the DUI of last season and came back to the, the beginning of the next season, it was just like over, you know? Yeah. Am I saying that right? It was the end. It was, the it was the break. It was the, the break yeah, between at the break. I'm fall sorry, I shouldn't and- say season. Right. And, and we just moved on though. Like we didn't get to see Randall's actual reaction. Well, so this is going to be, we know we're going to start at their birthday starting on season three. Right. So this is going to be months later. So we may or may not get a flashback to his initial response to that car. Or or just one of those expositional kitchen conversations between Randall and Right, where he's like, don't get upset again like you did when you saw that car. You know, like, I don't know. So how do you think they will play that out? Are we going to flashback to exactly his response? You know, it'd be funny if they started the next season with uh, a shot of the clear blue sky and then a bat swinging through it. And then you see that Deja's on the softball team. (laughs) Oh my gosh, right? Nice. Nice writing there, Daly. They could go all over the place. I mean, we need to build up to it, but I mean, the big flash forward for Randall, the way that they paint the Deja fiasco casts her as a very possible her the the unnamed mm-hmm. her in the discussion between future Randall and future Tess. Yeah. So the so the wording was like, um, she said he says to Tess, "It's time to go see it's her." It's time to go see her, and then Tess says, "I'm not ready," and then he says, "Neither I'm not either." I mean, the 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 people that we have in mind are: Will it be Beth? Will it be Deja? Will it be Annie? Maybe will it Rebecca? Be Rebecca could be Kate. Could be somebody we haven't even met yet. You know, we don't even know, but. The way that the camera work worked on that one, where it was like we saw them talking and then they said it's time to go see her and we like zoom in on Beth. It really seems to imply to me that it's Beth, but then it doesn't make any sense that Randall wouldn't have been like glued to her side. So for him to say, I'm not ready to see her doesn't really make sense. Oh, okay. Because I mean, he would have, of course, seen her every second of every whatever was happening. Right. So then that part doesn't really make that much sense to me. The That wording <laughs> in my own real life, because, you know, my limited experience right before a funeral and it's time to go actually do a viewing, you know, it's like. That very awkward, uncomfortable, horrible portion where you have to, well, it's time to go see her. It's like, I'm not ready. I mean, that that is exactly how that plays out. No one is ready for a viewing. You right. Know? That's true. That's very true. I mean, at that point in time, with Tess being as old as she is, and if we if we think that this is maybe somewhere between 10 and 20 years in the future, because we can't really tell how old Tess is. She could be anywhere from like her early 20s to a little, you know, a little bit later than that. Could be late 20s. I, You know, Randall looks to me to be like maybe, I don't know, he could be like 50. But anything could happen. If something did happen to Beth or something really awful, maybe he's aged really fast. You know, I mean, they made him look much older, I thought. Well, I think Tess is going to be our guide there. She's still young, but she is... um Apparently a sole operator of this adoption situation, meaning like she's not, I mean, it didn't look like she was working in the, in the city office. It looked like she was, I don't know, it looked like a nice office, like an agency rather than. Interesting. Okay. All right. I didn't pick up on that, but okay. So. You didn't think it was a social work situation? You thought she was. Could be. uh, Could be. I mean, but, but she didn't. 
the the amount of responsibility to her, maybe I just have no idea how this works, but you wouldn't give that to a 22 year old. I don't think, you know, I think most social workers like straight out of school, they do get those really, really crummy jobs. Hmm. Well, that seems crazy to me. It seems like you'd want to work under an old dog for a while as the young pup because it's very taxing and there's a lot of I'm sure there's a oh, lot it's of like, ins and outs. Yeah, that, it's supposed to be a terrible gig. I think it would be really hard. But, okay, so we've jumped ahead a little bit. Let's go back to Randall. See, Randall, between the opening scene and the uh, toast, is mostly just... He's buddied up with Kevin. Buddied up with Kevin. It's a little more interesting, the stuff that happens with Beth and Zoe. We get their exact relationship. Right, which I enjoyed very much, Beth, having a a family member to play off of that wasn't a Pearson. We had been, you know, really asking for that. Like, man, I really hope that some of her family members come into play here. And so I enjoyed it that it was this cousin, similar age. You know, they seem to have a great rapport. She has this great relationship with the girls. Did it ever come up before? And I'm just not getting it. Like, with all this discussion about fostering and all this kind of stuff like that, wouldn't it have been natural for Beth to have said, you know, in my own family, we took in my cousin who kind of became my sister, but at first it was very hard for her to transition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to me, I'm with you. Yes. I think that that it would have been natural even at that conversation when they were in the park and she says, if we're going to do this, let's take someone that we're going to make like a big difference, not like an infant, but let's take in like a teenager or like a younger kid. Mm-hmm. Yes, I think it would have been natural to say in my childhood, we took in my cousin and her mother left her and we made my mother made a huge difference in her life and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I think that that's another one where I feel a little bit like, again, maybe they wrote this and then they did stuff that fell in a little bit different way. You know, like, I don't know if Deja was always the end game for like who that's why I don't think that going to see her is Deja. You know, like, I don't know that Deja was the was the plot point necessarily. Yeah, I think we're set up to think that. I definitely think we're set up to think that. How it's all coinciding visually with the bat and the toast and all that stuff. And then saying stuff like, I think she's going to kill us in the night. I think that, you know, in their worst case scenario game, I think she's going to do this. She's going to end up in jail. She's going to end up on the pole. All all those things were definitely leading us to believe Deja was going to be a train wreck, you know? And so then it makes sense that later it didn't work out and we still have to go see her in jail or whatever, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't, yeah. Um, It's too, like, it's too showing Jack driving the car drunk with the beer bottles on the side when we think we're going to see his death, you know? Yeah. That it's like, "Mm, no, I can't go down. I can't make that leap. I can't do that dot to dot right there. How did you feel about the fact that it was Zoe that actually sort of gets this, like, little inroads with Deja and, again, makes you sort of feel like, okay, hey, we're actually on an upswing with Deja only to have it end the way it does with Toby's mom commenting that she looks like Randall and then wah, 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 like another pull the rug out from under you. The previous episode having been all about building up all my empathy for Deja and then she acts in the most childish, irrational kind of way based on this woman's comment who just came in today she doesn't know anybody and there's no way for deja to really know that but i mean that's how family events work you talk to people that don't really know shit about you you know what i mean they're just being nice to even say hi because you're within close proximity i have to assume she's maybe never attended any type of wedding or been around people i'm i mean or gone to like a family reunion or gone to like anything where there is sort of like two sides of the family weddings especially but i have to think she's never been at anything like that it just 
I don't know. It just, it made me so sad that she could have said something snarky to Toby's mom. Like, well, what, you know, I just don't know why he had, she had to handle it the way she did, you know? I don't get it. I mean, it seemed like. I don't want to get it. That's the worst part. I don't want to get it. I don't, I had, I had a good understanding of Deja. I had a lot of sympathy, a lot of empathy, a lot of, a lot of like appreciation for how hard she's worked to get where she was. I don't, I didn't want this scenario to happen for her. It's so over the top negative. I mean, honest to God, that would be a scenario where I would say, we have put up with a lot being rude to our family and all this kind of stuff, but physically violently bashing his car like that. How do you keep her around Annie? The little like six, seven year old. How do you keep her in your home anymore? Being honest, like that type of violent outburst over something that was a comment from a stranger, essentially. Right. And she's going to do that. How do you how do you legitimately say we can safely keep you in our family and in our house and not have you do something like this? Do you know? Right. I mean, for me, it would be like we've we we have been patient and we have been kind and loving and everything. But this was this was just frightening. You know, what are you going to do next? Literally, what are you going to do next? This wasn't just like an imagined worst case scenario. You actually did this. They know she's capable of of better. You know, that's the thing. So this is like a choice. You know, it's not like she just I don't know. She had a choice of how to act and this is how she did it. So. Yeah, for me, the that road, that would be too much. And I wouldn't say, I'm not saying that I would like never speak to her again or something like that, but I would be like, you need like inpatient help. Like you need therapy or something on a level that's not just hanging out at our house and us like just chatting with you about how you're feeling today. Like you, this is, this is above and beyond, you know, you just don't know if she was willing to snap over something like that. What does this even mean? I'm curious. Do you think she will take responsibility for the car or is the car just going to have been wrecked and it's just one of those? Mm. Or is there going to uh, be a vague or is it going to be like, you know, is it going to be one of those things like I don't believe Daisha did this or is it going to be like Daisha's going to be like, I did this. It'll all come out by, the, by since we're due, since it will pick up at their birthdays next year. I, I believe that they will have the whole story in whether or not she admits to it, I would be. It probably would be like she admits to it because she's so sullen. It would just be more like when they like ask will her, someone catch her doing it, or how will it go down? In the moment where they ask her, I could see her just kind of shrugging her shoulders. Like, did you do this? Like, like something like something unresponsive. You know what I mean? Okay, that qualifies as a, okay. We know you did it, kind of thing. Ugh, well, she certainly put us in a bad place with Deja. And I, I just I know that a lot of people were like really disappointed in the entire plot line for her because it just it felt like we were we had that same hopefulness that Beth had, you know, that like, what am I seeing here? You know, watching her walk out. Did she just wear a pretty dress and lip gloss? And, you know, we were like on the upswing of even a time when we knew she was being really difficult. And then it was like, oh, my God, like it just I don't even know. Like if we as audience members are like throwing our hands up, like what else could Randall and Beth do to make this work? What do they have to do to prove that this is a good life that you could have here? I mean, I don't know how the characters can't be feeling the same like, ah, you know, I don't think Randall's going to give up on her. I mean, the his speech had two big points. His toast. It was 
that he is done trying to control things and that quality of your life, I guess, is determined by the people you surround yourself with. I know, but think about that. If the only thing you control is the people you choose to have around you, then do you choose to have this person who is like losing her mind? You know, like, I don't know. But it applies to Deja too, right? She could just bolt, I suppose. She Um, totally could. So she also has to decide, choose the people she wants to surround herself. I mean, that spe- the speech applies to her as well. She wasn't there. That's the worst. Yeah, but the words she are still hear it. true. I hope. I hope it's true. I really hope it's true. I just, I don't know. And, and I believe you wholeheartedly that it's like one of those things that it's like you don't think he's going to give up. And I don't want him to give up. But then some part of my heart is like, but is that part of the lesson? Is is part of the lesson like you have people who you do choose to be with you and then they make it so hard and so toxic that like how do you how do you protect your little kids and have somebody who is willing to act like that you know how do you do it i mean it it does create like an amazing conversation for audience members and an amazing conversation to be like do you stick by them i am a person who by far of the two of us would say stick by her no matter what you know, if somebody's having a hard time, you hug her even harder. It would get dicey about this physical outburst. The the actual willingness to bash things with a baseball bat is where I would get my fear level would get so high. I know that Deja's being built as a permanent member of the This Is Us family, but I sure hope, and I've said this before, that we do not get mired in the tired, you know, problem adopted kid plot line like we saw it in in uh parenthood right the the daughter uh and her husband adopt uh, a boy who's same kind of age same kind of background same kind of deal like dropped off at night kind of thing they spend about a season with a kid that they can't trust who if i recall i don't know if he was hurting the other kids but he was definitely unpleasant to be around and and uh and then all of a sudden next season it was like He's all of a sudden just a member of the family and he's kind of integrated very well. And I've already seen the plot is my point is, is that, okay, now do I have to suffer through a, a season of, of Deja bashing things before she but, starts so, acting but, right? Okay. But are you saying that it it's, it's annoying to you that you sat through like a, a crappy season where the kid was struggling and then all of a sudden the kid was fine. So then how does that apply? So then do you want Deja to just be fine? And just all of a sudden integrate in the family? Or do we have to go through season after season after season of her cycling through these rage cycles and and having all this anger about her biological parents and her adoptive parents? Like, which would you rather watch? Do you want that this story to just settle or do you want to go through a, a character Again, dominating Randall and Beth's storyline. That's the thing that bugs me. It wasn't a slice of their storyline. It was their storyline. And I really like Randall and Beth. Like, I really want to watch them. I don't really want to watch Deja take over their marriage and their household and their family. You know, like, I, it's, it's so much less interesting to me, you know? Mm-hmm. So how would you actually want that to fly? Like, does she have to have all these problems forever and ever? Amen. Because it can't really vanilla it out and make it just like not happen. But I, th- I think it would be pretty reasonable to think that her story, although the the origin and mix is a little different, it could still very much parallel uh, young Randall, you know, in terms of having a lot of 
abandonment type feelings toward parents, and, but still being perfectly loved by the people you're surrounded with. I think that the part where they took it to the next level that I struggle is this violent outburst. Randall didn't ever bust out Jack's car. Randall didn't ever attack, you know, or scream or yell. He didn't. He didn't even like. He did cream Kevin off. that one time on the football. Field. He didn't even mouth off to to his to his parents the same way you know and so it it it, it's different because i feel like they took it to another level he had his own personal angst about finding his family and he did even keep it secret and he did continue to to search for them and i think that that part is like fair 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 to show like the internal struggle but the it to that the violence level is where you like break me where I'm like, I just don't know. How do we do it? How do we continue to so- show Deja's story and everybody feel the same level of rooting for her after she's hurt Randall like that? Maybe there's such a thing as your foster kid does something up to a certain level. You are supposed to call your person and Linda then has to come in and decide, well, do you stay? Do you go to therapy? Do you this, that, what's available to you from the system, that kind of stuff. It's super sad to me that after all no that, idea. all that time, after all that growth, after all the story that they showed us in the previous episode about her having that massive realization about the once you find a comfortable bed that you can finally rest your head, then you should stay there <laughs> right. as long as you can. That it, it nulled out so much of what we learned in the previous episode. It took all of the lessons, all of her saying, I'm so tired, all the all the parts that you just felt like she she understands and she has it. And it just made it feel like, oh, my God. And then you proceeded to treat Randall and Beth like crap for however long this has been. And I mean, it's just it's so hard. I mean, and I feel like we've we've rattled on about it in this podcast in a way that makes me feel like. Oh, you know, this was Kate's wedding day. This was, you know, there was so much other stuff happening. And yet here we are bogged down with Deja's baggage. That makes me feel like I just don't know that I can handle the 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 jerking back and forth, how we're supposed to feel about her. I want to love her and give her the very best life ever. I just don't know what they just did by making her physically violent. I think that they might have broken a lot of audience members. That's what our Twitter experience back and forth with people was, was people, her taking Jack's baseball bat and bashing Randall's car at Kate's wedding was a combination of events and things that some audience members are not going to forgive. That's funny because, um, I mean, like, ha ha funny because the previous week, the Twitterverse and responses from Facebook when I asked with our podcast, I asked the universe if they thought that that Deja-centric episode was necessary. It was not unanimous, but it was highly in favor of needing that episode. I, as you might have heard in the last one, wasn't so sure that I needed everything spelled out like that. I had a pretty good idea. Things were bad. and But I was, I was in the minority. Most people felt comfortable knowing that. So it was weird to go from all this like finger wagging to me about, no, no, that was a very necessary thing. She's a very important person. Everything she does is great and all that kind of stuff. And then the next week, the Twitterverse is like, she sucks. She should get out of our life. We hate her guts. You know, I don't think it's that. I think that the level of disappointment was so strong because they had lifted us up to this level of empathy and this level of 
of wanting to trust and respect Deja's story to then take that character to such a place of hurting our other characters. That's the thing. Like she can struggle without never had she hurt our Pearson family the way that she did this time. You know, mm -hmm. smarting off at them or not listening or cutting her own hair or doing those things. They were all like sort of like these, these lashing out. That was that was like manageable. But this level of ugly was so strong that even though we got it where she came from and we understood it, it made it where it was like we all got to take about 10 steps back and figure out how can she remain a character in this family? Because it was just so over the top. I mean, you mentioned that Randall hit Kevin in a football game. That was appropriate within the football game. And you're even like a little like, oh, she look what she did. Look what she did. Well, and what it could mean. They made a this was a calculated risk, I hope, that they figured out in taking with this character, because I think that there are a lot of, of people who will say there is no excuse you could ever give me to make me feel like what she did was okay. Nothing had actually happened to her at that wedding reception that was so extreme that she needed to have this type of outburst. Mm -hmm. It just, it's frightening because it just means that it was like right under the surface. And so like, what is going to, what is, is Annie going to say something like, you're like my sister. And she's going to like punch her in the face. Right. Like, it's just, it's too much. I mean, I really want to move on with our conversation here because me too. again, I'm just, I feel like we spent a lot of time talking with people on Twitter and I'm telling you guys, like 90% of the people we found all over the place and we really like stretched far said like, I am at a loss with this character. I don't know what to think of her anymore. I don't, obviously it's a very cliffhanger way to leave the the season, but it's a, it's a, um, it's painful, you know, it's hard to leave her like that. So let's move on to another character who had a difficult episode. It should have been all happy, but it was really difficult for Toby. Yeah. Toby has two big solo scenes. Um, when he's away from Kate and the joy of movie memorabilia, he's with his parents, a divorced couple played by TV veterans, Dan Loria and Wendy Malick, who you might have seen in TV just forever. I love Dan Loria. He, if you guys don't remember, is the dad from Wonder Years. And I thought they did such an amazing scene, like the actual way that they lined up the shot when Toby's in the car after picking them up from the airport and he's in the front seat and Dan is sitting right behind him and he picks up the phone and he says, hi, Kev, which is what they frequently called Kevin on the Wonder Years, saying mm. Kev. And then over Toby's shoulder, they framed out Dan's face like perfectly. So it was like you saw, you know, Jack Arnold right behind, which think about that. His name was Jack Paul. Mm. The dad's name was Jack. And he died before that they were adults. And he died. He died when they were 17, I think. Kevin was only 17, remember? They said he died that summer. Spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Right before he went to college. Didn't they say he had a heart attack that I summer? I think that's right, yeah. So he would have been like 17. Oh. And he had a heart attack. Christ. He had a heart attack. Oh my God, he had a heart attack. Oh my God. Caroline just smacked her head with both hands. <laughs> because I forgot he had a heart attack. So Jack, the dad, had a heart attack. I swear to God, and I swear to God, Kevin was 17. Oh, that's messed up. <gasps> now, that was a layered moment, you guys. Wow. 
Wow. Mad props to the writers on that. <laughs> That's painful. And Dan Fogelman and everybody. Woo! So his parents are divorced, though. It's humorous, I believe, that Toby, Toby predicts that his dad is going to pursue his mother about marrying the man that she's with. Um, but that scene was just like, just to have us, you know, have show that it's very awkward to be around them to receive the phone call about the Daytona Beach shirt and all that kind of stuff. The big scene is when he is in his groom's room getting ready all by himself and his parents come in together, which if if you were a groom and you had divorced parents and both parents show up in your get ready area. That seems like you should be prepared for something. Right. They're not there to, to wish you well. You know, they would have just done that separately. But they were delivering a message that they thought they needed to say together because they were finally agreeing about something. And that something was that they thought Kate was this unstable source of, of problems that was requiring too much special handling on Toby's behalf. And they were basically saying that they're scared that he's going to wind up like he did with Josie, where they drop this idea that he's actually a person who is prone to depression. You may not have been able to to guess it with his previous behavior, but apparently it gets real bad and, you know, like in bed, just not able to function bad. What did you think about learning that about Toby? I knew that they had talked about it when they were doing this sort of like um, 20 questions kind of game with Kate and Toby when they were shopping. If you remember, they were like in like a thrift store kind of thing. And and he reveals that he had had a suicide attempt Mm. Uh, at least thought of it was suicidal. And so I knew that it was part of his history. I mean, I feel like if you got to that point, then it would be reasonable to expect that he had struggled with some depression at a lower level, you know, at different points. Yeah. So it, it, it would make sense to me. I think that he also, when he had talked about his ex, when Kate went and got a job with her and he was like, you can't work with her. Like she might be a, like an attractive looking person, but she is mean. And he, and she was, she was really awful to him. And so understanding that like he was it's made it sound almost like an abusive relationship um, towards Toby. And so, I mean, we knew he had gained all the weight largely and due to that relationship. And so what the mom had said wasn't a surprise to me, um, you know, revealing that. But it was because I put a put together so much again, though, that might that for me was, again, one of those kind of heavy handed, like I need to spell it out for audience members as if audience members only picked up toby at the finale and it's like oh we need to remind you that he had this depression time with the ex mm -hmm. and like i'm gonna actually tell you what i saw i don't know that it had to happen because he told us that we had heard about the ex and about his depression and about his suicidal thoughts mm -hmm. so i don't know i didn't uh, i didn't need the mom to to extrapolate all that did you yeah i did because you hadn't picked up that stuff or what happened? Not really. Not, oh, okay. Not, not the same So way. then it was helpful for you. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah, but it was still tough for him to go through because, you know, even as a grown man, it's tough to tell your parents to to go stuff it, you know, which is <laughs> basically what he had to do. But he still needed her help to put the cufflink on. Yeah, that's true. He did need his Still need your mom, no matter what, right? I guess so. I guess so. I thought that, you know, obviously this leads into, you know, Toby's flash forward from Randall's toast moment where he says, you know, who knows where we'll be a year from now? And we have Toby 
in bed. You know, he looks, he's got that glassy eyed look. And, you know, Kate comes in and says, you know, I talked to the doctor and he wants you to come in tomorrow to adjust your medication. We can all assume this was another, um, you know, depressing. It looked like it to me. Yeah. Uh, situation. What, what do you guess would push Toby to this place, What, where where will we go with this story? Depression doesn't exactly need an invitation in order to come in. You know, just chemically, maybe he just gets depressed and that's just it. Yeah. I mean, he is somebody who is so upbeat. It's almost not like a surprise to find out if he was on like antidepressants. Well, that's the thing. If, if say, say you get feeling particularly good and you decide... Um, I'm going to quit taking my meds. I think I've made it through the woods and I'm going to quit taking my meds. You know, no one's holding a gun to your head. You can just stop taking your, your emotion meds if you, if, if you want, but it, it could go like this. It could just result in, in severe depression or whatever you're trying to take care of with the, with the pills. I mean, those pills have other side effects. So say they were trying to get pregnant. That could be a problem with, with some of those pills. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, they prevent certain bodily functions from actually A side effect happening. is impotence, right? Maybe you'd quit taking it for that reason. That's true. You know what I mean? Absolutely. These are all possibilities. But, yeah. But he doesn't even need a reason, unfortunately. With depression, it's just- It can just sneak up on you. That's true. Just could do it, yeah. I know that, that was a question that a lot of Twitter people were asking, like, what do we think will happen? Will he, like, have lost his job? Will One he- thing I'm sure of is that Kate is blamed by- his parents because they predicted oh, it. They, yeah. they, they led us to it. Yeah. You know? They blamed Josie the last time. They're going to blame Kate for this time. Do you think that there will be some layer of Kate having contributed just given that, you know, they, they don't let Kate off the hook very often, you know, when it comes to different scenarios, like we're going to talk about Rebecca next. I mean, they, they don't show her without blame in, in various scenarios. Something tells me that, that she doesn't contribute to it to the depression any more than any other factor in his life. That's okay. That's just my guess. I she, want to think that there would be no way that I think that, that she will take be. on a lot of why is he depressed kind of feelings, and that will affect her. Yeah. Um, but I don't think there's any real profit in having her having you know been some sort of massive bitch over the past year or something right no i don't think it could be anything so extreme as that i i just wondered if it's like i i have no idea i'm struggling the having kids thing seems very reasonable like maybe they find out that he he is the problem or something why Mm. she can't get pregnant or something like that you know because it seemed the kid thing seems very important and it seems very ultimately of the time like they got married Within the first year, it seems very reasonable that they would try again. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I will wrap it up into that. And somehow maybe there's... How she may contribute to that is he says, I'm ready. She says, I'm not. You know, that might be like... Ready not what? To start trying. Oh, I don't think that's going to happen because they've already been pregnant. So, and I and she's like, you know, looking forward to the idea of like, you know, maybe possibly doing this again you know so who knows what do you think will like madison have to be the surrogate or something ha that'd be funny um they could bring her in like that and then they could bring up the whole concept of surrogacy and like different ways of having families uh it's on the table it's on it would give madison a good role right 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 there you go couldn't get rid of her look at me look at me right then and then you have this complicated relationship of like a surrogate mom does she have rights does she get to visit the child does she have anything to do with it 
so many, so many things we could we could delve into there. All right, let's get into Miss Rebecca because she talks a little bit about um, the role of mom and and where does she fall into this thing? You know, we were sort of talking about how does Jack fall in, um, you know, with this with this new marriage, and now where's where? What's Rebecca's role? Where where does she? Should she blend in with the crowd here, or what should she be doing? In our own lives, we've seen moms at weddings approach things in vastly different ways. Her approach is that she is so concerned that the the peace, kind of the pact, I guess, that she and Kate have had since the miscarriage about talking to each other and treating each other better than, than they had for the past 30 years. She's so, she, that's so f- uh, in the front of her mind that she doesn't even want to pick the dress that she'd prefer to wear because she's afraid that she would get, you know, garner too much attention from the bride on her day. The dress was not like a, a latex mini dress, you know, it was just a pretty good mom dress, right? Yes. So she's very sensitive, hypersensitive to well, this Well, and idea. actually she put on, ooh, she had laid out like an outfit that was more of this sort of like champagne colored, um, a little, a little. Um, Reminiscent of the dream dress. Yeah, that 40th wedding renewal dress. But the dress she ends up going with is like a, funeral dress like she ends up with like a dress with like a navy blue like kind of like wrap all around it like she looks like cocooned up for sure like nothing there's nothing sparkly or fun about what she's wearing and she you know expresses with Miguel like all those concerns about not not reminding her of anything not not being a walking reminder of Jack not being you know not stealing any spotlight and stuff did you feel like it was appropriate for Miguel to like sort of pile on like, oh, yeah, you think you're bad? Well, what about me? Well, if he's never really said that before, then I guess. I mean, it makes sense. Maybe they talk about it all the time. She didn't particularly take him overly seriously, though. That little parting shot of her going, Miguel, was... Uh, <laughs> that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, was there not a better take of her doing that? I don't I thought it was funny. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because she was like, Miguel. <laughs> it was so funny. I, I liked that it showed a little bit of them. Miguel talking about dressing up like a tree and just blending in and stuff. Miguel. And it was like silly, like dressing up like a tree, Miguel. <laughs> like you are like that would that would be more ridiculous, Miguel. I don't know. I, I thought that the the way that they played Rebecca throughout this and and they did they did show what Toby's parents were worried about. This idea of all this tiptoeing around Kate and all this idea of like being afraid of upsetting Kate was really like shown, you know, in a huge spotlight with all of Rebecca's interactions with Kate. She was consistently frightened of of upsetting Kate. Yes. Even when she didn't she thought she basically ruined the wedding because of the phone conversation where she asks about Toby in the dream sequence. So then she has to she has to come and apologize for something she's not even sure that she did um, because she's so uptight about this. So what does that what does that say about Kate? She's high maintenance, man. <laughs> I mean, she certainly the baggage fee is is probably very expensive, yeah. Tobe. I mean, there is a lot there. I mean, I would not say that Toby's parents were completely wrong about, you know, this idea of not upsetting Kate. It is a big deal. She doesn't get over stuff very easily. And she definitely, you know, has a lot going on. So I thought that the interaction that Kate and Rebecca had where she finally admits to Rebecca that 
she really wants to be like Rebecca. It's not about pushing back from her. But, you know, she uses the line, you aren't in my way, you are my way. What did you think about that? That is some level of maturity that Kate has not displayed up until that moment. Because that is something that, you know, teenage girls are pretty famous for saying, I don't want to turn into my mother. And so that there's some rebellion against that fact. And by the time you're 25 or 35, sometimes you're looking at your mom and you're like, mom had some things figured out, <laughs> right? Yeah. Same thing with boys and dads. But I wonder too different. a little bit about the fact that she did let go of Jack a little bit. If that actually not only made room for Toby, but it also made room for Rebecca. Like it also made it to where it was like you, while I have to let go of the parent that passed away and let in the parent who's still here hmm. and stop like pushing her away and acting like she's second best to the parent who passed away. Which is the first thing that Rebecca says in this episode is that she feels like she's the one that Kate was stuck with. Right. And so I, I actually think that th that her letting go of Jack really played out in several different ways here, you know, and allowed her to finally see Rebecca as, you know, a parent that was worth, you know, loving and and respecting and and wanting to have a role model in her. I think it was really good. Again, I wish I could talk for as long as we talked about Deja's uh, journey. We could talk about Kate's journey, but because after all, that's been building for two seasons. I know. Right? And doesn't that just bite your butt a little bit that it's like, I really want to talk about how far Kate came. That was that was really a huge moment. If you think about all of the struggling that she's had about about her mom and about where she fits in with her mom. This was a really I'm I'm hoping I mean, it's not going to be perfect moving forward, I'm sure. But I hope that it actually is opening the door to a new new rapport between the two of them that allows for some different conversations and some different relationships, you know, especially maybe having a hard time getting pregnant or maybe becoming a new mom, you know, how, how she can, she can help her, you know, she was there for Randall when she, when Beth gave birth to Tess and, you know, it will be exciting. I think in the future to see Kate, whether it's through surrogacy or some other way, having a child come into their life. So I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad that they, that they seem to put that ongoing feud to rest in some ways. I don't know that it's a hundred percent, but I think that it's better, right? Mm -hmm. It's gotta be better. So I'm, I'm excited for that moving into the next season. I, I look forward to a different dynamic, a little, maybe a little bit uh, more, where there are two matriarchs in the family rather than a feeling like a mother, daughter, kid, adult, you know, relationship. Marriage does help that. It does. It does. I definitely think it elevates, you know, the the kiddo into feeling a little bit more like she can she can have a say, you know. Yeah. So I hope I hope that there's a good, you know, if they're having a problem in their relationship, I really hope that Kate doesn't hide that stuff from Rebecca. I hope that she goes to Rebecca for advice. I, I would like to see those types of things happening rather than act defensive of Toby or defensive of their marriage and stuff. So I'm hoping, crossed fingers, we get to see that. So we should talk about the flashback that the way that they bring Jack into the story and most specifically during the wedding. It's the scene where he stops in at school and she and lets Kate in the car and, and she's just enamored with, with her dad. She's still at that age and stage where it's cool to be like that. 
Yeah, she's talking with him at the window of the car and and asking him, you know, can I marry you someday? And visually we get to see that plus Toby when he starts explaining, you're going to find a man better than me, smarter than me, handsomer than me. All the stuff that he says is better than him. Better at playing board games. I thought it was a funny thing. And they're showing us Toby while he's saying that. Yeah. I thought that was so neat. As she's like coming down the aisle, we had Kevin and Randall walking behind her, which I am... I'm thinking maybe was for the the way that the shot is, but also that Kate is not like an 18 year old girl or anything. And so, you know, it's it's common these days for a bride to walk herself down the aisle, but maybe with some supportive cast around, you know. And so I like that the visual of having Kate in front and then her two brothers walking behind her. It was a much better shot. Yeah. And actually giving her away like they actually shook Toby's hand you know, and stuff at the at the altar. And I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter and Facebook actually not liking the ceremony. And I would like to point out to those people that the funeral was given about the same amount of screen time. So it was shot in very much the same way, where I think they're trying to say the big moments go by in a blur. They do for you, they do for them. So that's why you're just getting it as a blur, because that's all they remember anyway. I like that. So so, so were the complaints about that they wanted more detail of the wedding? Yeah, they wanted like a the vows and bow everything. and hope kind of situation, oh. you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And, and I feel that way, too. I mean, when I look back at our own wedding, it is in these big chunks, you know, these separate little chunk moments. I certainly don't remember every second of it at all. And... I do agree with you that that is the way that they have consistently shown those big moments. Even we didn't get to see Jack and Rebecca's wedding. We just saw them like, you know, bursting out of the out of the courthouse. And we saw, you know, them having like a, you know, the toast at their reception at the restaurant, but not like walking down the aisle and, the, you know, like yeah. not every detail of it. And I liked how they layered Jack's voice over the top of the ceremony because it added that element of him being there in a way that was like supportive. It kind of gave me that Wonder Years kind of feeling in that funny way, okay, you know, of like where where there's like some some feeling of like approval and like, I don't know, like extra detail, extra layering. Okay. I can go along with that because it's, it's, I mean, he's basically saying, I approve, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, like and it's that, not even, not even more, it's more even like, I'm glad you're doing it this way or with him or, or whatever. It's more than just approval. It's, 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 it's like a vote of confidence. And in an interesting way, by having that conversation, it actually like, sort of makes me feel like we had the memory because he said, you know, like, I'll give you away and I'll probably even cry a little. Like, it's like because he said that to her as a young girl, you kind of feel like, oh, that's what happened. Even though he wasn't there. It's like, mm -hmm. you feel like, oh, he cried a little when he like gave her away. And so it was like, but he didn't give her away. But, you know, you sort of get all the details that you would have wanted with Jack. Do you feel like they should have added Jack more or less into this episode? Being the big wedding. Well, as we've uh, discussed ad nauseum, they had to give Deja, you know, about 75% of the episode. <laughs> so there really wasn't enough time to spend on any Pearsons, especially You are Jack. terrible. You are terrible. I, I think that they did a good job. I think that it was important to actually kind of be restrained in how much they involved Jack because I think that it was important for Kate 
to have this moving on moment. And if they saturated the, the ceremony with like pictures of him and, you know, like all kinds of stuff, if, if they showed like a clip of, um, you know, Rebecca going up there and being like, this is for my husband, Jack and like singing moon shadow or so, you know, things like that. I think it would have been over the top. There was a theme of letting go with all three kids, Kevin go the, the breath he was holding Kate, let go of her dad a little bit and Randall let go of control, he says. Yeah. Uh, so they all had that theme in their in their story. Yeah. And I actually thought that the one scene that if you had to say like really encapsulated the family taking a step forward was Kate dancing with Miguel. Hmm. They like had like a slow dance and not that it was in any way, um, you know, replacement of Jack, but just that that happened makes me feel like that was a step forward. You know, we were Mm -hmm. actually moving forward. So speaking of flash forwards. So we talked a lot about the um, the leap forwards already. We talked about Toby being depressed and we talked about Tess and Randall having that conversation. The one thing that we didn't talk about was. The one year ahead of Kevin and Zoe apparently um, having a great relationship and deciding to go to Vietnam. And we saw that Kevin was holding the picture of Nikki and Jack. So proud of Kevin. I mean, really. I mean, he went from not like consciously going, think, doing, occupying his mind and his body with anything he could to not think about Jack. It was almost like his mission. He didn't even know it, but that's what he was doing not think about Jack. And now, one year after his awkward toast, he (laughs) not only wants to think about Jack, he wants to know more about Jack. Yeah, I love it. Going to Vietnam, I mean, that war was a long time ago. There's not much to find now. It's, I don't so, know what there is. I mean, this will be this will be one of those a uh, learning experience for me as a viewer. If they, I think that they will they will strive to be accurate in what is over there and what is available for us to see and what is what is available. I wonder if it's possible that Nikki didn't necessarily pass away, but maybe was missing in action, and maybe gives us a a chance that maybe he's alive over there. Or maybe he um, even was alive long enough to maybe have a wife or a family over there. Maybe is now since passed, but still, like, maybe there's other people, you know, other Pearsons. Could be. Where do you think that they will, where do you think they will go with it? Do you think it will be something like, there's got to be some remnants of Nikki. I don't think he can just have passed away because otherwise, where does the story go? I'm intrigued. I feel weird about this story that felt pretty... It was it was about a lot of people, but it still felt pretty small. And now if you go to Vietnam, all of a sudden it feels like really big. Someone right? yeah, someone's heading off on a, a totally on, on an adventure that can't circle the others back in until they come back to the same continent <laughs> as as everybody else. It's interesting. I and you know, this seeing Zoe and Kevin together, it's the first time that I had some room in my heart for the idea of who could possibly come into Sophie's shoes and in any way provide you know, a a safe place for Kevin to continue his journey. And I feel like somebody who has had a struggle where he, you know, she could definitely relate to Kevin's feeling of uh, in childhood of, you know, feeling like she, she, she wasn't fulfilled and as content looking back at her childhood memories and stuff, she struggled. And as Kevin has expressed to all of us that he did. And, you know, I think that that's a great match. And I think that it works that she is a relative, but not a sister of Beth's. Because it creates, 
you know, if they end up marrying Zoe and Kevin, then it's like you have an interracial relationship that you add into the mix, which I think is, again, showing another a walk of life, another story um, that is This Is Us. And I think that enables you to also like have that that history that we had with Sophie can be brought in by Beth. Because she has history with Zoe. And so it like still allows her to not be like new. Does that make sense? Because that's yeah. what I craved with Sophie is like, oh, he, she has all well, these childhood memories. It's the lack of history that that makes Zoe his way, a very good way forward. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. And I really, I mean, I hope that this could be a, a safe place to fall for him in terms of moving forward with this relationship. Because I think it's going to be very awkward if they break up. Well, I mean, since this is new Kevin presuming right i mean she only knows new kevin you know so that's she'll know this guy that's trying to trying to figure himself out well i don't know because he's a family that's not exactly true like i mean is it they would have probably met at beth and randall's wedding yeah it was one thing to live through no agreed agreed but that's why i think it's interesting that it's her as opposed to a strictly brand new person Mm -hmm. like and she probably has heard stories from beth complaining about what the pearsons are up to Mm -hmm. you know she probably knows about the dui with tess you know like you know there's probably stuff that if they're as close as as they seem to be there that would have been conversations that would have actually been like people magazine kind of news in that universe i mean oh yeah we know rehab nanny like yeah no i know but i'm saying she would have heard it from beth oh she would have heard it from beth's mouth because she would have been being like can you believe this happened to tess yeah you know so i i think that it would be it would be super interesting to see where this goes and i'm excited so season three we're set up we know that there's going to be some conversations um revolving around how did Rebecca and Miguel get together and what does their relationship look like and how does that fall together? We know that Toby and Kate's were going to be in their first year of marriage, ups and downs, learning to, you know, how to figure this out. We assume looking to have kids. Randall and Beth, we leave them with, you know, Deja and what in the world is the next step there? How are they going to handle it? So in his toast, he said, we don't know where we'll be a year from now. And that's when they started to show those those two flash forwards that were a year ahead. Right. They show Zoe and Kevin and they show Toby and Kate. However, season three will not begin a year from now. It will begin four months from now or whatever the, the right number is. Do we Do we now have the kind of situation like we had with the fire where we had this image of something that was coming, but then they have to backfill to try to try to get us to that point? Do you think I, that's how I, they're going to build I it? I definitely think that that's the truth for Kate and Toby. Like, I don't think like we launch four months from now to Toby being in bed. But I think by the by, you know, mid season or whatever next year, you know, we could be moving forward to Toby's de- decline. So we'll be we'll get to see the courtship of, I, I think, of Zoe. I think or or yeah, I think I think more of it. And I think we'll get to see, you know, obviously they seem to be. I don't know where Zoe's from or anything. And I know, you know, so I don't know. If Beth's there house. Has, what? Beth's house. Right. <laughs> I meant like, where does she currently live? What city or whatever? So oh. it's like, like, where does she, you know, do they have to like sort of work out logistics and stuff of some of this stuff? I, I look forward to it. I look forward to like Kevin, like buying a house or figuring out, a, you know, like an actual place to live and be. I think that that's exciting and new. Plus there's the 
possible Oscar thing with uh, Kevin, right? He could, That's right. He could be get he could get to be a big deal again. That's very true. Very true. Um, if you guys remember, Ron Howard had encouraged him to get a tuxedo and and be ready for the award season, which would fall next year within the season. Right? Within the season, and like very naturally at the like Christmas break time, like either we'd come back mid season, you know, or we'd leave it mid season where award season would be right around there, you know? Mm -hmm. So that would be, that would be right on timing wise, but all of it. And obviously with the, with the Vietnam trip that this is highly layered with all of Jack's backstory. So we're going to get a lot of scenes we hear about, you know, Jack's time in Vietnam and probably a lot more in his childhood and his relationship with Nikki and budget for the show just tripled probably. (laughs) (laughs) There's so many more characters and there's so many more, like you said, locations and, and things to go see and do that i definitely think even just there's gonna the, be like helicopter rentals and period yeah. jeeps and all the all the costuming and all that kind everything, of everything all the yeah everything all the even even if we're gonna be flashing forward then all the prosthetic makeup work and all the you know special effects and stuff that come into play from just their standard right say kids. there say there is you know Nikki that they find all these years later yeah we got to do something more with him i think that also um you know it's reasonable and and in I especially because they included the cast so much like at the award season of the the littler kids and the teenage kids. We can't forget that there's probably still tons of flashbacks to come of Jack and Rebecca's life together with raising big three and, you know, even them as teenagers and everything. I think there's going to be still a lot more. Remember, we talked about we think we're going to get into the early 20s. We'll find find out what happens when Kate comes out to see Kevin. They'd be cutting their own throat if they did not. Oh, they'll continue it. Milo in the in the future of the show. You know, he's oh, that's not I didn't mean to say no. I mean like they are. I'm I'm agreeing with you. I'm saying that's a mistake they're not gonna make. <laughs> is, yeah, is, I wasn't talking about that. I'm talking about like, but not just focusing on Jack's individual past before having the family. We're gonna get a lot more family flashbacks. Okay. I'm comfortable saying yeah, yeah. of like them together and them, you know, growing up, different parts, you know. We we didn't get to see them like when they when the kids start dating or the kids, you know, like we said, I think each of these groups of kids are gonna age, obviously. And so then those 17 year old kids are going to become the 20 year old kids. And we have the, you know, the kids who were like those eight, nine, 10 year olds that are going to become those early tweeners, you know? So I think we're going to see a lot of interesting um, flashbacks that I super look forward to. That's for me, that's like the bread and butter of the show is getting to see them as a young family and getting to see them, you know, at different points in time. So what do listeners have to expect next from Daily Review? Oh my goodness. So coming up in April, we have Handmaid's Tale is coming. We have heard that the initial episode for Handmaid's Tale is absolutely to die for. Like we're all going to just explode. So I we've heard phrases like the best episode made ever of any TV show ever. So very excited as well as Westworld is coming in April and very excited about that one as well. And Colony, all right on top of each other. How we're going to do three episodes, three podcasts a week. I don't know. You're going to hear from us a whole lot, you guys, a whole lot. We're looking forward to it. Where can you listen to us, Mr. Paul? So many shows.com and dailyreview.com. Both of us are on Facebook and Twitter. Get on Twitter, you guys. That is where we are hitting it up super hard. So we are on there. Oftentimes we're live watching the show and then we also 
We'll chit chat with fans a ton afterwards. And also we are on so many shows on air radio on Mondays and Wednesday nights with Jay and we talk tons. We do like lots of TV trivia and lots of fun games and talk about favorite shows. So get on over there because we'll definitely be talking about our podcast stuff. All right. Well, two hours later. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. Catch us on iTunes or your preferred podcast software. Our website, dailyreview.com. That's D-A-L-E-Y review.com. Facebook or Twitter or wherever you find us. Please leave us a comment and a rating to let us know what you think of the show. Thanks for listening, pot people. Thanks for listening to my mom and dad. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. Just go home, folks.